New Year. Happy New Year. If you had your bulletin, I wanted to mention just how many announcements are in there. There's so much going on. Uh, tonight we've got Children's Choir also starting again, 415 for that. Uh, but if you look in your bulletin above the Children's Ministry, Children's Choir section, uh, it mentions the men's and women's Sunday school classes that we run here, uh, December, January, and February. And uh, the men are down in room four, the Solid Rock Cafe. The women are down in room one. I, I'm not in the women's class, so I don't know how this morning went. That's a good thing. It's an awesome study. Everybody should be there. I trust that. And in women, I would encourage you. Our Sunday school classes are a great way for you to learn more about the Bible and connect with some of the other women that the Lord has brought into our church congregation. Uh, but I wanted to tell you about our men's class. Uh, men, I see more men in the room right now than we're here in our men's class this morning. And here's what we went over this morning for the men. I told the men that as a result of this class, uh, my hope for them would be that they would hate a lot more and get angry a lot more. Because we were talking about fighting against sins like pornography. And if you are going to fight a besetting sin, an addicting sin, men, we are at war. Women, you're at war too. But for our men particularly, for the next couple of weeks in our class, we're talking about hating sin like God hates it. And getting angry at sins that destroy homes and lives and marriages like God hates and gets angry about it. And there's freedom when we hate what God hates and get angry like our Heavenly Father gets angry. Because there's freedom in Christ. And so men, I would encourage you, if you struggle with any sin, and I know you do, because I do, why don't you come next Sunday at 915 there are seats left for you. Men and women, I'd encourage all of you to come to our Sunday school classes. Go tell that on the mountain. The pastor told the guys to hate more and get angry more so that they might be set free. Well, it's a good year to go tell it on the mountain. Happy New Year! Happy New year. God makes all things new. And as children of God, we come on the Lord's Day to worship and we seek God's face. When we want to grow in any area, we ask for His grace. When we're parched and needy, we come drink from his fountain. We feast on his words and we find comfort and joy in our heavenly father's presence. And this year, I want us as a church to ask God to help us to grow in two specific ways. My major emphasis for the year as your senior pastor and then the minor emphasis that I have. First, the major emphasis is go tell it on the mountain or evangelism. Getting the good news out to the world who desperately needs it. That some in Montgomery County might hear the good news of Jesus this year and be saved. And come and learn about Jesus and following him and get baptized and join the path of becoming fully devoted disciples. And our secondary emphasis this year, a minor emphasis, will be scripture memorization. 
Why scripture memorization? Well, God uses his word to change hearts. And so if his word is hidden in your heart, then throughout the day, the Lord can change your heart with his word hidden in your heart. You might have noticed our scripture reading earlier today. It wasn't a long paragraph of many verses, but rather a shorter section. It was verse 1 of a product called Fighter Verses. I was introduced to Fighter Verses from the ministry of John Piper probably 20 years ago. It's a great series of powerful and memorable Bible verses that are carefully chosen to not be taken out of context, like some verses unfortunately are. I'll read it again, Deuteronomy 7, 9. Know therefore that the Lord your God is God, the faithful God who keeps covenant and steadfast love, with those who love him and keep his commandments to a thousand generations. Well, from now until September, during our worship service, we're going to feature one of those verses, a memorizable verse each Sunday as our scripture reading. Some of you might choose to memorize one of those verses this year. Some of you might try one a month or one per quarter. Some of you might give it a real go. Scripture memorization takes work, though. And so uh, the leadership here has curated a number of resources. And out in the foyer, you can check this out this month at the Family Discipleship Corner right by the library. Uh, We've curated a number of uh, resources to help with Scripture memory through these fighter verses. Uh, One is a small set of memory cards that has each of the memory cards on it. One is a journal with one verse per page where you can read the verse and then you can journal your thoughts and pray and maybe work on what you've memorized so far on that. Uh, One is a coloring book with each of the 52 verses and a coloring page for that verse, 52 verses per year. On my recommended bookshelf in the hallway is the large print version of the scripture memory cards if you want to see if large print is your kind of thing. And Fighter Verses come in five-year-long sets. This year, we're going to be going through set one. And as a way to start us off, I'm going to give away two things right now. Can I get an elder up here to join me to do two handouts? Can I get an elder up here? First, as an elder comes up here, Todd's coming up. I want to give this journal to someone. Someone who started attending our church within the last two years who promises that you will use this and report back to me in the spring personally on how it's going, whether you used it or not. An honest assessment. So let me see a hand, and then Todd is going to give that out to somebody. We've got it right here, right here. And next is I'm going to give away the coloring book for kids. And parents, we're relying on the honor system here. This is going to go to a kid who is in the coloring book age. All right? So if they're 15, probably not. But also, parents, you need to vouch for your child that they tried and memorized a verse in the last half of last year. So a parent can vouch for a child. They're in the coloring book age. And also, they did try and memorize at least a single verse in the last six months of last year. Let's look for a hand for that. Let's see. We got it right back there. Right back there. You see that? All right. Let's give everybody a hand for that. Will you pray for your brothers and sisters in this church family that God would help us memorize Scripture this year? You know what one of the things Scripture memory really is helpful for? Evangelism. Having God's Word hidden in your heart helps you tell it on the mountain 
or on the bus or at the coffee shop or on your social media feed. Evangelism is our year-long major focus as a church, but it's also the theme of our first five sermons. Evangelism means good news. We have good news. The world needs good news. But here is our question for this morning. Is it the right time right now to go into this world and give out good news? Is now a good time for that? What do you think? Well, according to Jesus, the harvest is plentiful. So if you have your Bible, we'll see this in Matthew chapter 9. If you have a Bible, please turn with me to Matthew chapter 9. Today we're going to be looking at verses 35 through the end of the chapter, verse 38. And uh, if you don't have a Bible with you, it's also reprinted on the back of your bulletin, and it will be on the screen behind me. So Matthew chapter 9, verses 35 through 38. Let me pray, and then uh, we'll hear from God's word. Blessed be your name, O Lord. Happy New Year, Lord. It's the seventh day of this beautiful gift you've given us this year. 2024. Before we were born, you knew what we would face this week. You know which of us will have victory this year over besetting sins for our good and your glory. You know which of us in this room right now will face the hardest trial of our entire life this calendar year. And we don't even know it, but you know it's coming. And so you will prepare us. You will go before us. You will guard us from behind. You will nourish us with your word. You will uplift us with the prayers of our brothers and sisters in this family. You will hold us fast. And so thank you for what you're going to do. Thank you for this first worship service on this first Lord's Day of the year. Give us eyes to see and ears to hear from you now from your nourishing word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Matthew chapter 9, verses 35 through 38. This is the word of our Lord. And Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every disease and every affliction. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. What did the disciples pray for in response to that? Well, they were going to pray that disciples would be sent out into the world to do what Jesus had been doing. And what did Jesus do? He went to people. He shared the gospel. He did good deeds along with it, like healing. And he did it all out of a compassionate heart. That's what Jesus did. As he started the harvest ministry, as he went into this world, and he told the disciples to pray that the Lord of the harvest would send us out to do what he did. With Jesus on his initial mission were disciples. 
And 12 were especially chosen in response to this prayer in Matthew 9 to go on a temporary mission to the towns of Israel, which they end up wrapping up in places like Mark 6.30. It says the apostles returned from this very brief mission and Jesus and told him all that they had done and taught. And he said to them, come away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest a while. So there was a temporary mission. Go out into the harvest. Tell the cities of Israel the good news. But following the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, he then sends the 12 disciples out on the Great Commission to go into the whole world and make more disciples who will then go into the world and make more disciples who will carry on that work and invite others into the mission Even in Montgomery County, Pennsylvania, the harvest is still plentiful. This passage was specifically about the first sending of the twelve. And not even specifically sending out disciples to go on it, but rather for them to pray. Look at verse 38. Therefore, before you try and go out into this harvest, pray earnestly. To the Lord of the harvest, to send out laborers into his harvest. So the mission continues to 2024. If you want to do evangelism, if you want to go out in Jesus' name into this world, don't go without praying first. Amen? Let's be a church of prayer so that the harvest may be successful. This is why our church mission statement is to make as many people as possible fully devoted disciples of Jesus, right? Glorify God by making fully devoted disciples. This is also why we heavily emphasize international missions to get the gospel to those who don't have it because the harvest is plentiful. But we're also on the mission here. We have not made disciples of all of Montgomery County, have we? We have not made disciples of all of Skipback, have we? We've not made disciples of all of our workplaces, have we? Or all of our school buses, or all of our neighborhoods, or all of our immediate families. Not everyone we saw at Thanksgiving and Christmas is a follower of Jesus Christ. So the work continues until the Lord returns. And what is that work? It's the work Jesus did that he told the disciples to pray about, that he sent the disciples on, and which the disciples passed on the good news to us, and that we continue. Let's call it harvest work. (coughs) And we read about it. Four things, and it's our four points this morning. Jesus went to people. This is harvest work. Point one, Jesus went to people. Point two, proclaiming the gospel. Point three, doing good deeds, and Jesus did like healing. And fourth, out of compassion. So this is harvest work, four points. Jesus went to people, proclaimed the gospel, did good deeds out of compassion. Let's look at them one at a time. Number one, Jesus went to people. Look at verse 35, verse 35. And Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues. And he did this, and then look at verse 37. Then he said to his disciples, having gone on his own mission, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. 
Isn't it interesting? This is really important to remember. Jesus did not come to be the harvester. He came to be the redeemer. And then having accomplished redemption and being raised from the dead to give life to his people, he sends us out into the harvest fields. Jesus is not the harvester. He's the Lord of the harvest. He is the redeemer. And he sends us to do the harvest work. And harvesting is hard work. So who's ready for some hard work? Who thought, as you evaluated 2024, I really want things to get harder this year? Did anyone pray that the workload on your life and your calendar would get harder? I I doubt it. But if we're going to do the work of harvesting, of evangelism, it's going to be hard work. But think, before you consider harvesting, that someone did that hard work for you already. Think with grateful hearts that someone in your life brought the good news of Jesus Christ to you. Jesus defeated sin to be your redeemer. And Jesus saw you in your miserable state without a savior. And he had compassion on you. And he loved you. So he took one of his people And sent them out to harvest you. Bringing you the gospel so that you might be saved and have life. If you're going to evangelize, if you're going to go out on the harvest, consider the work that's been done for you. And then consider Christ's call in your life to share the good news. Harvesting is not easy. The harvesting machinery industry is a $25 billion industry. You need a lot of tools to harvest well. It's hard work. Jesus is not saying, all right, hey, disciples, go into the vineyard and grab a handful of grapes and enjoy them. That's easy work. We'd all sign up for that, wouldn't we? That's not what he's talking about. He's talking about hard work. Work And especially in the first century, harvesting was not an easy task. There were no engines, no power tools, and no Spotify playlists to use while doing the work. I mean, you can't look at a cornfield and pray and then watch the corn harvest itself. It's hard hard work. In the first century, this was a hard word. When Jesus said, harvest, harvest, he said, you've got hard work ahead of you. But Jesus wasn't talking about corn or grapes. He was talking about people that he died to give life to. And he told his disciples, think about what Jesus is saying. When he says the harvest is plentiful, he's saying, there they are. Go, go get them. Go tell some people about me. The harvest is plentiful. Jesus is saying, I did the hard work. I did the dying. I defeated the harvest hater. I thwarted his attacks. Just go. Take one step. Risk one conversation. Bring me up one time. Try it. Go into the harvest field. Jesus went to people. 
Uh, doesn't it feel nice to be looked for? Doesn't it feel good to be looked for? I was talking with our children's ministry director, Crystal Moyer, uh, a couple weeks ago. She had attended Lifeway Ministries Conference for Family Ministry last year. And the line she came back with was this. Uh, she said the, the theme, the one theme that resounded was that, you know, in children's ministry or church ministry or wherever you go, people really like being looked for. Like, doesn't it feel good when someone says, hey, I was looking for you. Hey, I missed you. Hey, ah, you're just the person I wanted to see. It almost feels awkward, doesn't it? You're like, me, why were you thinking about me? I'm allowed to think about me, but what do you, doesn't it feel good though? Oh, how are you doing? It feels so loving to be looked for. And that's what love looks like. Jesus went to people. He looked for people and he went to where people were at. Look at verse 35 again. And Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues. Now that's where the Jewish people went. And that was the main focus of Jesus' ministry, was the Jewish people. He would send his disciples and the Apostle Paul out to the Gentile world. But where did the Jews go for fellowship? Where did the Jews go to learn about life, to talk about God, to seek hope? They went to synagogue. That's where the people were. And so Jesus went because that's where the harvest was. But where do the people you know go? Where are the people you know who don't know Jesus going to talk about life, to think, to find hope? Well, maybe they live in your house and you can see where they go because they're right there. Maybe they're on your bus or your soccer team. Maybe they're on your social media feed. And every time you post something, they'll read it. And they don't know why, but they will. There's an opportunity to mention Jesus because they're on there. Maybe that day they're looking for hope. And you can put hope on your social media feed, which they need. Maybe these people ride their bike on your street or get coffee at your coffee shop. Or maybe they don't know where to go. So where are the people that you know going to find the good news? Well, go there. The break room, the bus, the neighborhood, wherever it is. Go there, where they are, without compromising any of your character. We go representing Jesus Christ. We don't compromise our character when we go where Jesus calls us to go. But if you can go, Jesus is saying, pray that people would go. Pick that fruit. Offer the gospel. Go. The harvest is plentiful. That's point one. Jesus went to people. Well, what did he do when he went? He proclaimed the gospel. Point two, he proclaimed the gospel. Uh, we're not picking fruit or corn. So what do we do when we go out to harvest? What's the task? And therefore, what are the tools? Jesus proclaimed the gospel. Look at verse 35 again. In fact, it's basically all in verse 35, almost all of it. And Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom. There it is, the gospel of the kingdom. The good news about what? 
Well, it's not really good news about war or famine or money or even hope or even love. Uh, Those things are tertiary and related to the kingdom. But the primary good news is about the kingdom of Jesus. Jesus is saying, I'm the king. I came to be the king. Go tell the world that there's a good king. All these bad kings have come and gone, but there's a good king who is going to die to save his people. It's the good news of the kingdom which affects your view of war and famine and money and love and hope. The good news is the announcement to the world that Jesus is king. And so as we go, we bring the gospel. Uh, This little booklet is a great resource. It says, what is the gospel? It's really short and sweet and it summarizes the gospel. I have a hundred copies of these up here and I have hundreds more in my office. I give these out for our outreach events. You can have a hundred if you want them. Just let me know. It summarizes the gospel. And if you don't know how to explain it to your friends and loved ones, maybe you can say, hey, can you walk through this with me? Or can I give this to you to read and then we'll talk about it? It's great. Come on up afterwards, grab a pack of 25 or open those packs up and take a few out. It explains the good news that first, God is holy. Second, that mankind has rejected God's loving rule and sinned. Third, Jesus came to save sinners. And fourth, humans respond in faith. And so there's a tool. What are we doing? We're getting the gospel of the kingdom out there. We're saved by grace through faith in Christ alone. That's the harvest News. We're not going out with tools. We're going out with good news. And while we only need the gospel, and the only thing that can change a heart is the gospel, Jesus added something every time he proclaimed the good news of the kingdom. And that's our third point, good deeds. So Jesus went to people and then proclaimed the gospel. And third, he did good deeds. Friends, Jesus' words of life were always paired with good deeds. In fact, the good news is actually the news that Jesus died in the place of sinners, the greatest good deed ever. But look at verse 35. And Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom, and here it is, healing every disease and every affliction. Uh, When we think as a church about missions and evangelism, uh, we have a phrase that we say, and it's word and deed. When you support a missionary, you want to know that they're giving the words and also pairing them with deeds. Word and deed ministry. Church ministry is primarily word ministry. Children's ministry, youth ministry, other ministries. We're proclaiming the word. We're explaining and studying God's word, the good news, and explaining it, the good news even though we also do deeds as a church. But for missions and evangelism, they specifically need to marry word and deed because Jesus did word and deed together. And it isn't a real shame in our country. Isn't it a real shame in our country that so many churches and ministries have decided that we're just going to do good deeds and we don't want to offend anybody. So we're not really going to say the words because we want to love people. That's what the lie is. And yet the reason Jesus did the good deeds was to show how good the good word was that sinners 
can be saved from their sins and restored into a relationship with God who can give us victory over besetting sins and reconciliation in our relationships and hope and peace in a world of chaos and misery. So we always want to pair the words with the deeds. So we consider bringing good news to the world. As you think of the people in your life that you want the good news to get to, how can you do good deeds to them and ask the Lord to open up opportunities for conversation to share the good news? That's what Jesus did. He paired the good news with good deeds. Now, can you go into all the hospitals of our region and heal every sick person? If so, get going. (laughs) Well, Jesus did that. In fact, on the short mission Jesus sent the 12 disciples on, they actually could. Uh, Peek ahead to Matthew 10 verse 1 if you have your Bible. Remember I told you the immediate mission that we're talking about in Matthew 9 is this one. Chapter 10, verse 1, And he called to him his twelve disciples and gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal every disease and every affliction. So for that short temporary mission, the twelve disciples could do that. And they did and they went and they healed diseases and affliction and they cast out demons. But he didn't give them that power forever and he did not give us that power And yet prayer is powerful and God will heal miraculously some sickness and some disease because of our prayers and in response to our prayers. So do not neglect the hard work of praying for miracles. But we do not have that good deed, miracle power regularly like the disciples did. So what deeds can we do? Well, anything Anything is a good, anything can be a good need. Grab a coffee with someone at a coffee shop. Spend time with someone and listen to them. That's a good deed. You compare that good deed with the good news. So ask yourself as you consider the harvest and evangelism in your life this year, what good deeds can you do to those around you, in your family, in your neighborhood, at your school? Well, do those things. Those simple acts of kindness and pair them with opportunities to share the good news. Then you'll be just like Jesus, word and deed together. Number one, Jesus went to people. Number two, Jesus proclaimed the gospel. Third, he did good deeds. And fourth and finally, out of compassion. And this is really important, friends. Look at verse 36. When he saw the crowds... He had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Do you know anyone like that? Be honest. Do you know anyone like that? Someone who feels harassed. Someone who feels helpless. Someone whose life and their choices and their decisions and even their hopes and dreams make them seem like a sheep Without a shepherd, the heart of Jesus for that person is compassion. People around us are full of confusion, hopelessness, despair, and meaninglessness. Uh, One of the things that 
became a little bit more popular during the pandemic was that people had more time at home to play video games. And I became aware of uh, some trends in the video game community. I played a lot of games in my youth growing up, and, and I found out that there is this massive speed-running video game community where people spend a ton of time trying to beat old video games as fast as humanly possible. And when I say a lot of time, I mean a lot of time. So, uh, for instance, there's one guy who was trying to beat the original Zelda video game. Be honest if you've played it. Raise your hand. Go ahead. Be honest if you've played it. Okay. Came out when I was a kid, 87 or 88, something like that. It's the original one, right? And these speedrunners can beat it in like 30 minutes. And so I saw a video of a guy who broke the world record for Zelda, and uh, he beat it in like 27 minutes, okay? And uh, on his Twitch, Twitch feed, is that it? I don't know. Is that where people play video games and speedruns? Thank you. Yes, good, good. <laughs> if you have any questions about this, this group knows. <laughs> he had his attempt counter. So this guy became so good at this game that he was able to try and speed run it to beat it as fast as possible. And so he was keeping track of his attempts. Now, it takes 30 minutes to do an attempt. And before he started all of these attempts, he had to get really good at the game first. And he was on his 23,500th attempt to set the speed run record for the original Zelda And that's one of the 13 records he owns in Zelda. And I looked this week to see, and he lost the world record to someone else. Okay, I did the math. If you started right now, eight hours a day, Monday through Friday, just on that game for that amount of attempts, you would match his amount of attempts late September. got a wife and a kid. Meaninglessness. And he doesn't even have the record anymore. Friends, that's a popular thing. But how much time have you and I wasted? And how much time are people wasting with entertainment, with simple pleasures, with addictions, with whatever? Fill in their life with money, power, and pleasure. And they're not finding their lives fulfilled. They need Jesus. The heart of Jesus for the lost is compassion. Do you have compassion on the lost? The heart of Jesus for sinners is compassion. Amen? The heart of Jesus for you before you were saved. He looked at you and he had compassion on you. And in Christ Jesus, by grace alone, he can give you a heart of compassion for those who desperately, desperately need his hope. And so may the Lord help us have his heart of compassion for the lost because he had a heart of compassion for us when we were lost. Jesus gives us good hearts. Think about non-Christians you know. Consider the depression and confusion, addictions on the rise, the hours of mindless entertainment that our friends and family go to that never fulfills them. Never, never, never. Do you have compassion on them? 
Maybe when you think about some non-Christians, you know you're judgmental or angry or jealous or prideful. But we, as the people of Jesus, want to seek his face for hearts of compassion. And Jesus gives us his heart. He died to give you his heart for the lost. And then he says, go. And so forth, we go out of compassion. So let me wrap all this up as I close to make it memorable. What's the sermon about? Jesus went to people, so go. He proclaimed the gospel, so good news. He did good deeds, so good deeds. And he did it out of compassion in his heart. So, good hearts. Friends, that's harvest work. Go with good news, good deeds, and good hearts. Made possible by the good work Jesus did for you. Because if you are a Christian, I'm going to close with this. There was a point in your life when you were in that harvest field. You were in the harvest field harassed, confused, like a sheep without a shepherd. And Jesus, the Lord of the harvest, thought of you and handpicked one of his people and said, him, go to him, her, go to her. And they went. And you have life everlasting because of it. What amazing grace. What a Lord of the harvest we have. So the first thing we should do, which I will do now, is pray in light of verse 38. Look at verse 38 as I close. Therefore, disciples of Jesus, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest, to send out laborers into his harvest. Let's pray. Lord of the harvest, thank you for your amazing grace. You saw us harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd, and your heart was one of compassion for us. You saw how miserable our life was. You saw how hopeless and meaningless things were. And you sent your son to die and rise again to give us life. But not just that. You sent someone to go into the harvest field to bring us the good news. May we be so grateful for the gospel. And may we be so grateful for having received it. That we gladly will go with your good news. Doing good deeds in Jesus' name with the good hearts you give us by grace through faith in Jesus. Father, send us into the ripe harvest fields that some this year in our region might come to know the Lord of the harvest. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.